You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. Welcome back to Ice Cream with Investors. I'm your host, Matt Four, and today's episode, we have Harry Nima Zagara. Harry is a pulmonary and critical care medicine physician, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and co-founder and manager of NEMA Equity, which is a firm focused on commercial real estate syndication, where he helps physicians who earn passive income, lower their taxes, and achieve financial independence. Harry has experience in rental properties and currently owns and manages nine properties across the DFW area. And he's also a general partner in 784 units in four different states. Harry, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we like to start with the typical questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. And we're in summer, right? So yeah. yeah, I mean, like anything that goes with vanilla, right? Like vanilla with chocolate chips or like with M&Ms or like just like discover just the sea salt caramel or like the dulce de leche. So like everything that goes with vanilla and that's like an extra flavor. I mean, I love it. Yes. I am on a big salted caramel kick right now. And I was yeah. just chatting with you before the show here. I just got back from the beach and had a big old cup of sea salt caramel and it was delicious. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Yeah. Yes. I mean, like as many people may know, like my wife and I, we're both our physicians. I'm a pulmonary and critical care doctor. Like I still work right now. Like my wife, she's a family medicine doctor. And apart from that, we have like our second passion, which is uh, real estate. As you know, we do residential real estate. And the last couple of years, we have been doing commercial real estate and mainly in the syndication uh, space. Gotcha. Well, take us back to the beginning. Where'd your real estate journey begin? Yes. Yes. So I remember like, so I mean, like we're from South America. We both are from Peru, my wife and I. So we actually came here about 15 years ago and we were physicians already. We had finished our medical school we were coming here to the U.S. to do extra training, right? Like to do our residency and then like subspecialty. We had some background already, like more in my family about real estate. So my mom, uh, she got divorced when, when I was very, very young. So we were living with her and she needed like to do many things like for <laughs> to bring like food, food to the table and all of that. So she had several ventures like and businesses and one of them was like in real estate. So she bought like a small property that was still in construction. After a couple of years, she finished the construction and it was like a small hostel or a hotel. So it took like three to four years to finish that. And after that, and she's still holding that for, I believe, like over 25 years already. Oh, wow. So what happens is that, yeah, so we come here to the U.S. I had witnessed like in the past, like all the benefits of real estate. Like, I mean, of course, in South America and Peru, it has some parallel like to, to here in the U.S. So we were very interested in that. It's just like initially... As uh, you can imagine, like you're still in training, right? Like my wife and I, we didn't have enough time. And it was like an important time, like to focus actually on medicine around that time. So we couldn't start until actually we, after four years, like after we came, we were moving to another city because I needed to continue my training and we didn't want to rent. So we, we didn't want to save some money and actually like to start building up some nest egg or like equity in something, right? So we decided like to buy like a townhouse and it was in Richmond, Virginia. It was like at the beginning of my fellowship. So, and it was around 2011. So you can imagine like 2009, 2012, that's like the lowest of the market in real estate. So we bought that, like, and we were living there for three years. After three years is the nature of someone who's training in medicine. You get to move to another place. And uh, we decided like to, to sell the property. 
we were very surprised how they had appreciated. Like it had appreciated like over 30% or 40% actually around that time. Wow. So we were very excited. So then like we moved to South Texas where uh, like I initially practiced in private practice actually. And uh, we were considering to build a house. So we bought a lot, a piece of land. At the end, we didn't stay there. We moved to Dallas. Before we came to Dallas, we also sold like the lot. It also had appreciated a lot in just a matter of a year and a half or something. So yeah, I mean, like we arrived to Dallas and we fell in love with the area. We decided to stay. We decided to buy our, our residence where, where I'm living right now. Yeah. I mean, just soon, soon after that, probably two months or three months after that, we started like deep into real estate and investing. All right. I want to go back to your mom uh, yeah. buying a construction base in Peru there. Did you help her construct that? Did you work at it once it got constructed? What did yeah. your involvement look like there? Yeah. So when she bought the property, I mean, I was too young, right? Like, But I believe I was in my teens, 15 or 16 years old. I mean, still like really young, but I mean, like I just wanted like to help out in some way, right? Like, so I was like the person who was there, like in the front desk and helping like everyone who would come like to the property and want like to stay for a night or like a weekend or something like that, right? Like, And it was a good location actually, because it was like two blocks from the hospital, right? Like, so it was very busy location. Is that the only property she owns? Now she still owns that property and she has two more apartment units. So like small ones, like two on one. Yes. Gotcha. What does she think about your real estate endeavors? She is excited, but at the same time, you know, like, I mean, old moms and dads, like she sometimes tells me, I mean, you spend so long and so much in medicine and that's your career. And absolutely. I agree with, with her. I mean, and I still, and I still love medicine and my wife is the same, right? Like, but at some point, we found out ourselves that we needed some extra help, right? Like, so we found that we, to some degree, were vulnerable, right? Like, if you only have one stream of income, right? Like, especially in this last couple of years, we have, and this has humbled all of us, like with the pandemic and all of that, right? So there were some people that they, they were not able to work. You can imagine in the case of my wife and I, we were like like healthcare professionals. So we were working like actually like every day, but we were exposed to COVID and the dangers of it. So if something would have happened to me or my wife, would be in real trouble, right? Like, so if we didn't have other sources of income. Yeah. And I want to get into how you balance all that. But before we get there, your place in Richmond, did that thought ever come to your mind about renting that out? Or was it, hey, we just bought this as a temporary for our residency and we're just going to sell it, move on? Not at that time, but now <laughs> it comes back to me all the time. I shouldn't have sold that property. Yeah, that's correct. So you yeah. you moved to Dallas, you buy a home. How did you learn about real estate then? I'm assuming you knew about it because of your mother, but like, how did you start learning that you can actually be an investor as well? Yeah. So, I mean, actually I had been studying and learning and doing uh, research like for a long time already, right? Like, so actually like my, it started like at the end of my last year of fellowship. So I had like about four to five years to get ready before I started like my First investment property. And I wish I would have started earlier. The thing is that as we were moving very often, I mean, like I, I couldn't just find myself like doing that initially. So when we came to Dallas, again, like we had been reading books and audiobooks or listening to podcasts like yours, going to websites like Bigger Pockets and things like that. So we were, I mean, we have like our good level of education already on that. It's just like, and we needed like to take action, right? Like we, we just needed like to take the next step to get into that. Yeah. What was your first investment? Yeah. So like, again, as I was mentioning, like, so we arrived to Dallas, we loved the area, we decided to settle. And after a couple of months, we had a very good friend who was 
one of the parents was like in our kids' basketball team. We went with her and she's a realtor and she was super nice, super patient, like with us, especially with investors, right? Like, because we just not look for like the perfect house. We, we look for, for the house that makes sense in, in numbers. So we went with her and we decided like to buy. So our first property was from the MLS, direct from the MLS. That was around 2017, 2018, where still we, around that time, we felt like the market was hot or too expensive. I mean, you can imagine now how- And now look at it. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right, like, so our first investment, I mean, I would say like in terms of numbers, it may have not been like a home run. It may have not been like the best investment ever in terms of numbers. But for us, for my wife and I, was like the best investment because it was the way we started in real estate. It was our first step into this, right? Like, so, and you can imagine, right? Like, I mean, you in MLS, you don't get a big discount and the same with a realtor and the same, we even decided like to buy cash because it was competitive, right? And we didn't know initially in that moment and we didn't take a refinance initially in that moment. So like the numbers were not that great. And even after that, after a couple of months, the AC broke. Right. Like, so we, we saw all our cash flow in the first probably six months or the first couple of months gone away. Right. Like, and we were like uh, just talking to each other and say, like, this is like the worst investment that we have done. <laughs> what are we doing here? Right. Like, but it just takes some patience and some time. Right. Like, because what, what happens is that many people who start in real estate, they don't realize this is not a get rich quick thing. Right. Like, it takes time, it takes patience. Right. Like, and, and you don't see the results in months in the first year. Right. Like, it takes like a long time. It's a really good investment. It's a great way to build wealth and all of that. But you need to be patient with that. Yeah. Right. Like, so, yeah. Real estate is a get rich slow scheme. Yes. I, so, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of similarities in our story. So, I'm going to ask you some random questions. Was that home near where your primary residence was? Yeah. It was relatively close. I mean, it was like probably half an hour from where I live. And if you talk about like big cities, Dallas Forward, it, that's close. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> was it a newer build or do you remember when it was built? It was built in 1985. Okay. It is built in 1985. And we looked specifically for a class kind of C property, right? Like a kind of in the middle, not too expensive, not too cheap, right? Like, so we would have good tenant base, right? Like, so honest people who would work, who would try like to get like a good place for their family, like to live. So we haven't had any problems in getting like tenants because yep. again, like it's so much in demand. Yep. The reason I say our stories are similar because I did the same thing. I studied, I bought it off the MLS, but it was a new build and it was right around the corner. And my thought oh, was like eyes and ears on the property. I managed it myself. My understanding is you manage that property yourself as well. Yeah. And little did I know that I don't know the first thing about being handy on a property. So it could be mm-hmm. in Alaska and I would still have the same kind of impact if something needed to be done. But what yeah. were some of the struggles you learned? Because I, I heard you talk about that you got a property manager you tried to manage it yourself and then you got a property manager at your first property. What were some of the struggles you had as you learned to property manage and why did you ultimately decide to get a property manager? Yeah, it's just like there's no time off for you, right? Like, I mean, like you're like the property manager, you're there 24 seven, right? Like for any problem, any question that the tenant would, would have, right? Like, so we had like uh, several small problems, like three or four problems over a span of seven months. Right. Like, and even though, like, it's, it doesn't sound to be that, that much. If you think about, like, my wife and I were both our full time physicians around that time, it was stressful. Right. Like, and we wouldn't find the time, like, to do all of that. On top of that, as you know, like, I have two kids. So now there's seven and 10 years old, and they're very active and they're school and, and they do sports and all of that. And they have parties even more than my wife and I <laughs> now. <laughs> so they're more social than us. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it was something that sustained. 
right? Like, so we, we, we decided after seven months or so, like to get and hire like a property manager. And that actually, that changed everything, right? Like, because we were able to leverage someone's expertise in managing a property. And I, like, and again, like the money that we were paying that person, it doesn't compare like with that person freed for us, right? Like the time and also like the peace of mind that you are able to do other things. And that made us start scaling up our business, right? Like to the point, like at the end, like until we decided to stop buying properties, we had nine properties around the, the DFW. Yeah. So that's where I was going next is how far did you scale? So you scaled the nine. Were all of those off the MLS as well? Or did you have wholesalers? How did you find the next few properties there. Yeah. So I started learning after that, right? So we met this property manager. He had experience in, again, off-market properties. I'm, I'm a very curious person. So I was always asking him about these other ways to acquire discount properties, right? Like we, Because like the MLS, you, you couldn't find like a good deal that makes sense in numbers anymore. So I joined like several Facebook groups about wholesaling. I was going to meetups. I was doing like a lot of things like in order like to get a good property. So we start getting off-market properties, right? Like an off-market properties for, for the people who, who don't know, it's like, again, like it's like a property that for some reason needs to be sold quick, right? Like in a month or less than a month, right? Like either because like the person who is selling needs like the money very quick or because of the property cannot be financed through a regular way, right? Like, so, so we start doing that, right? Like it's, and we had already some education about that. And I was using, and like, also like the help of my property manager, who would come with me and would check on those properties, right? Like, because again, like I'm not an engineer, I'm not a contractor, I'm a physician, right? Like, so I wouldn't know, like, again, how much would like the flooring to be replaced? So if we had a problem with like, with the roof or foundation, like to be fixed, right? Like, so he would know that. So we would go and, and we would have, a, make our calculations and all of that. Of course, initially it was a little bit riskier, like then at the end, because I had already the experience, right? But yeah, it made sense. So we jumped in that, second way to find properties and it worked very good, right? Like we use like the Burr method, as you know. So we bought those properties, uh, cash, we do the renovations, we put a tenant, we do the refinance, and then we would repeat everything. Yeah. Only because I think I know the answer through some podcasts I've heard you on, but what did you learn through the buying of distressed properties that you wish you would have known going through that process? Oh man, that's... (laughs) It's kind of like opening a Pandora box, right? <laughs> so, well, like the wholesalers are good people and they do their function in real estate. I, I mean, like I feel like they're very important and they help people like investors and also sellers. They don't always have all the information, right? Like, so you need to have knowledge about like how much things are cost, how to spot things that need to be replaced or repaired, right? Like, so because again, like it may be the case that you're going into a property, you're buying the property, you're making your numbers about how it's going to be the renovations and all of that. And it's nothing like that. It's like 10 or $20,000 more, or it's sometimes even more. And there's other surprises that you may find. So yeah, it's a little bit risky, but also at the same time, it can get you good returns, right? Like, and it happened to me, like one of the stories that I always tell is like, at some point I was getting better at this, right? Like I was getting better at making my numbers and make like the, the, again, like the budget for the repairs and all of that. And at some point I started like buying properties sight unseen, right? Like, and I was making my calculations that I was getting, getting more comfortable with different wholesalers. And one that came to me, like he was selling this property that was a good price. And he said like, oh, like the property would need like probably 15 to $20,000 in renovations or repairs, which again, like for the size of the property seemed reasonable. And then when we buy the property, we go in. <laughs> I mean, oh my God, it was like over $30,000 at least. 
So thankfully, and thanks God, I mean, like we have like the means like to, to deal with that initially, right? Like, like, and at the end, it, it was a very good investment at the end, right? Because I believe like, and, and we just talk about like every real estate investment, if you give it enough time or most of real estate investments, if you give it enough time, they will be good investments. Yeah. I like to say every real estate investment, if you give it <laughs> enough time, the problem is I can't tell you how much time you have to give it. You might have to give it a thousand years, but if you give it enough time... <laughs> Um, exactly. You're right. Were you buying these properties from the same wholesalers or were you going to multiple different wholesalers? For uh, different. different okay. wholesalers. That was my to-go person. But I mean, in general, I would like go to different persons. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then were there anything when you were going through that phase, was there anything about a house that would make it a no-buy from the start? Like when I was going through this, I had my criteria that said, if it had these issues, and I'll tell them after you tell your yeah. answer, that I, I just wouldn't buy it just because I didn't have the knowledge to kind of work through those kind of issues. Yeah. Initially, I didn't have any problems with any property, but then like I started like getting better, right? Like, so I wouldn't buy like properties like that were built like before 1980, for example, right? Like because of the construction issues, like from the beginning, right? Like there's some states, right? Like not in Texas, where when you go and see foundation problems, it's a big no, right? Like here in Texas, if you live in Texas, every house has a foundation problem. <laughs> So, so it wouldn't be for us. And we actually have good professionals that, that take care of that. But yeah. So we learned like at the end, like it was nothing really specific. I mean, if the property had some additions, we would come and we would do a better assessment and evaluation. How are the additions done? Right. Like, but uh, I mean, other than that, we were just looking just, just mainly about like the year of construction. Yeah. Going on a little tangent here. So mine was 1980 and before I, w- I usually wouldn't touch those. And that's Same. specifically because of the lead paint and some electrical issues that you have to yeah. kind of worry about. Foundation issues were something that if you can fix a foundation issue, there's a lot of margin in fixing those problems. I just don't know what I'm looking at when I look at those kind of issues. So that's not for me. And then really like HVAC, windows, and roof are your big things. Beyond foundation, HVAC, roof, and windows, you can almost solve anything in a house for less than 30 grand. Right. Unless yeah. you're dealing with a 1904 build that has yeah. uh, okay. some yes. crazy plumbing and wiring, et cetera. Yes, that's correct. So you scaled it up to nine. You and I were at the same number. I was at 10 when I decided to jump into multifamily. <laughs> Why did you decide to make the move? And, and let's go through that. Yeah. So one of the things is that residential properties were getting more and more expensive in this area, right? Like, so I started like almost five years ago. I started in commercial two years ago. So two years ago, like the properties were getting more and more expensive in the DFW. We started going outside like the main area, right? Like, so my last property is, is located in Kinney. And Kinney is about like 25 minutes south from forward. So I was getting like farther and farther in order like to get a good property that where the numbers would make sense, right? Like, so if you imagine like initially, I mean, I don't need to go every day, right? But, but at least like to see the property the first time a couple of times with contractors and all of that, I needed like to go to lease a couple of times, right? Like, and it would take me at least over an hour like to go there. So it was getting more and more difficult. The other thing is like, again, like even having a property manager, right? Like you are responsible for 19 properties and that takes time. That takes a lot of time, even with a property manager, right? Like, so I find like myself still like every week talking at least one hour with my property manager, sometimes more when there's problems, like about like different things that may show up with our properties. Then like at the end of the year, there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of homework that you need to do, right? Like in terms of the mortgage, in in terms of the taxes that you need to pay like before December, if you want to make improvements to the properties, I mean, there's a lot of things to do. Like the other thing is that any problem, any decision that you need to make, all the responsibilities are on you, 
right? Like even if the property is an LLC, I mean, you're still like responsible for all these properties and your tenants. So I was like, at that point, it was becoming too much. And we decided like, again, like to shift gears and look for another type of investment in real estate, of course, that would fit more with our lifestyle. Yeah. You just hit on a number of different issues there. Property management, scale, really the tax benefits of single family aren't as great if you're over 150K and above in terms of your active income, because it doesn't make sense to do the cost segregation and bonus depreciation. Some might argue there, I'm not an accountant, but like, it doesn't really make too much sense there. But did you get involved in multifamily as a passive investor first, or did you jump right into capital raising and being general partners on deals? I went straight to being an active syndicator operator. Yes. Okay. So was that a good move or do you wish you would have gone the LP route first? I also did my good couple of months, like at least six months of research and education. I had gone like to several meetups and actually conferences too. So, and they were for many I mean, operators actually was like, again, like, yeah, you can start like passively, but I mean, like if you have the means or if you have like, maybe like the time, like to get started, like actively, why not? Right. Like, and I had like a little bit of my background already in real estate in, in residential. I mean, of course it's completely different, but again, like they knew already that I could accomplish things, right. Like to be able like to scale in a couple of years to nine properties, they saw some potential in me. So uh, that's why I started like actively initially. Yeah. The reason why I asked that is because I started as the LP and I'm an LP in a number of different funds and investments right now. And one of the things that I liked about that is it changed my mindset around seeing a $300 check for your residential where you're having to be more hands-off and deduct and make sure you've got the automated bill pay set up and property management communications, et cetera. And a $300 paycheck from a passive investment, knowing that you did absolutely nothing for that kind of shifted my mindset a little bit to the benefits of being an LP. So that's why I asked that question there is just to to see your experience. Yeah, no, that's great. Like, and you probably know, like, so in, in our case, we also invest passively in all like the projects that, that we go after, right? Like, so like I'm starting seeing like all my checks, like from my passive investments, even like before my active investments now. So it's great. Yep. And then, so your portfolio now is across four different states, 700 plus units. Where are you focused right now? Do you have a state or a market that you're interested in? I know the group that you're a part of. I've heard great things from that group and specifically the leader of that group. Are you kind of helping where they find deals, like talk us through, how are you finding your markets and your properties right now? So one of the things is that when we decided to go in multifamily and syndications was that I was talking with different people who had been like in the business a couple of years. And they told me, and one of them who was very smart, he told me, if you want to go in commercial real estate, you need one of these three things, right? Like, so you need either time or you need a good network, or you need to have some capital to invest in yourself. Right. Like, so time, I didn't have like the the time already because I'm a physician. I have my houses and my kids. Right. Like, so in terms of network, yes, I have a good network of friends and physicians and family, but I didn't have the network of commercial real estate investors. Right. Like, or, or like the vendors or all of that. But I have some capital. So, right. Like, so I decided to invest in myself and join this mastermind and mentorship. Right. Like, where I could meet other people who were there in the business for already years. Right. Like, for already years and also who were doing this full-time, many of them. So my group and also like our company, where do we focus on? So we focus mainly on the Southeast and the Midwest, right? Like, so, which is like in the last couple of years where we have seen most of the migration, most of job creation and diversity, right? Like, and, and these are specific states, like also that are very friendly for entrepreneurs or businesses and also like they're landlord friendly, 
So we have all the perfect set, set up here, like in these markets. So that's where we focus now. Yeah. I don't want to breeze over the point that you said, whenever you're doing real estate, you either need time, money, or a network. And for most people that are getting involved in this, there's no way you can have all three. If you have all three, that's great. <laughs> but it's if you're just getting started, yeah, chances are you don't have all three, but you yeah. better show up with one of them. So if you don't have any money, at least be a broker of a network. If you don't have a network, then have the time to get involved with other people to be their hands on a keyboard or doing the activities that they need. So I love that you mentioned that there. Absolutely. You're a guy with a lot of things going on, right? So physician by day, super yeah. parent by night, multifamily <laughs> syndicator and active real estate investor. I'm interested in how you balance all of that. So any tips or tricks that you can share with us on how you're able to juggle so many different things at a high level? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, like, and, and you need to remember, like I'm coming from a house of a single mother that raised my sister and I, right? Like, so I always find myself very humbled by her story and saying like, if she could do it, that she didn't have much help. And actually she didn't have the opportunity to go to college. So she was a hairstylist. So why I wouldn't be able to do it? Like, and also like, I always feel like if there's a wish, there's a way to do things. Like, and I have a great advantage. I'm married, I have like a great wife. She is my friend. And we are able like to talk like every night and share like, again, like the responsibilities that we need to do, especially here at home, right? Like, so we always talk about like our profession, our investments and all of that. But the most important thing is our family, right? Like, so if we're able to be great here at home and if we have everything covered, if we are like in good health, and getting along well, I mean, like all the rest is easy, right? So we, we find the time. So, I mean, like I was able like to, again, like for the single family houses, I'm able like already to leverage the expertise and the time of my property manager. For, for the hospital, I mean, like I've been like already like 10 or 15 years in medicine. So, I mean, I wish to believe like I already have like that figured out to some degree. In the commercial part, in the commercial real estate, again, like it's something that we're passionate about that. So we know, and when we started like this journey about two years ago in this mastermind group, we knew that again, like, it's not that you, you put your money or your capital and things are done, right? Like, so you need to do your work, right? Like you need to do your homework. You, you need to hustle, right? Because no deal is going to come to you and going to make you money, right? Like, so, and you need to bring value to other people, right? Like, so, so that's what we did. So we start connecting and networking with other people inside the group that, because we had our mentor and the senior of the group that we trust already. So we felt that he trusts other people that is inside the group and he wants to keep inside the group so we can have good partners there. So we start going like actually immediately after two weeks that we joined the group, we went like for due diligence in a project outside Kansas City. And then like a week later, we were already like in the team, in the general sponsor team, right? And that was our first property that, that we acquired as a, as a general partner. That's quick. So, well, first off, I want to say as your mother, bless her, a single mom is probably the hardest job in the world. And I would beg yes. for somebody to bring me an example that of a more difficult job than that. Second of all, it sounds like you and your wife are very actively involved in the real estate investing. Was she always on board with this? Was this your thing? Was it her thing? And she had to drag you along kicking <laughs> and screaming to get involved in real estate. Like, How do you all communicate as a couple around investing in real estate? Yes. So we had several talks about this, like almost like every night. So in the relationship, I'm more like the person who is like the dreamer, right? The person who thinks like ahead, like one or two years. And she's more like the person who is trying to tell me, Hey, Harry, like let's, let's go slow. Let's, let's go step by, by step and be conservative in all of this. So I think we have a, like a good balance, right? Like, so she also knew about like the real estate and my story with, with my mom and all of that. So she also had faith in this business. 
right? Like, so, I mean, it was just, again, like to be in sync and what to do and what steps to take, right? Like, but she was always on board. And again, like lately, and actually she stopped working, like actually like in November last year. And the reason is was because like one, because our investments were doing better in this moment. So she can put more time in the family and our kids, which is great, right? Like, so, and she's always like also now to support me a little bit more like in real estate. So we're, we're doing great in that sense. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Harry, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to switch us now into our last round. We're calling this the five toppings. Our okay. first one is, what is your favorite book or what is a book that you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. So a couple of months ago, like probably six months ago in one of our mastermind meetings, we had this topic about like the book, like The Gap and the Gain. And I'm not sure if you have heard about that is by Dan Sullivan, which is like a motivational coach and like a business coach and Hardy. And the book is great and actually has changed a lot of my minds in the last half a year. I mean, it talks about like, again, how many people, successful people, entrepreneurs, high achieving people aim or struggle to find happiness, right? Like, and you always try to go there and try to go there and you may be not able to get there. But again, like the main statement or the main idea of the book is that don't try to find happiness in the future. Don't try to pursue that. The happiness is inside of you. It's in this moment, right? Like, and we many times we compare ourselves with our ideal or with people in our same field who are doing great, which we may not know that they are years ahead of us because they have started on this years ahead of us. And we get frustrated and struggle with that. But again, you don't need to compare with your ideal or like what you want to do in one or two years. You need to compare yourself with your past and start from a place of gratitude and again like being grateful like about all things that you have done and accomplished and also being grateful about all things you have so i mean it has been a great book right like so like i really enjoy like and actually i read already in six months i read it twice yeah well it's the book that my coach every week tells me i need to read because it is <laughs> the thing i struggle with the most is is yeah. talking to folks like yourself thinking oh yeah. man why are they so far ahead and he's like look where yeah. you were six months ago so yeah. Uh, no, no, no. And again, like one of the points of the book is again, like we always are going to get into the gap, but it's impossible not to get in the gap. Like again, like where we compare ourselves with other people, right? Like, but we need to try to go back in the game like as soon as we can. Yeah. So that's yep. the, the key. Our second one is that I believe that the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the habits that you have and the things that you do every day. What are some of the habits that you have every single day? Yeah. So maybe not every single day, but, but at least six times a week, like, or almost every day I try like to do exercise, right? Like, so I like running. I love running. I stopped doing that for a couple of years. And then like after almost 10 years, I ran my first half marathon last December. And then I ran another half marathon in May this year. So it has been great. Like, again, like, and I'm in medicine, right? Like, so like, I know that the older you get, the more make expenses or you use more money in medicines or in healthcare utilization, right? Like, so I try to think myself maybe in 20 or 30 years to be like a healthy person who is able to be independent for his day-to-day things. Yeah. I'm a runner as well and an Ironman triathlete. So we'll have to uh, nerd out on different races. Our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yeah. So I received many advice from coaches from different people, but something very important for me from my mom when very young, she was always telling me, be honest and have integrity, right? All the rest is important, right? Like, I mean, you can be a really hard worker, you can be good in numbers, you can be a great doctor, or you can hustle, or you can be great at networking and all of that. But if you're not honest, if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters, Like, right? And people are going to know and people are going to notice, right? Like, so 
that's very important for us. Yeah. Your brand and your reputation, I feel like is the most undervalued asset that you have. Absolutely. Our fourth one is, what is the thing that you're most proud of in your life? It's my family. It's my family. And I would think for all of us, that's my why, right? Like, and that's the reason why we wake up every morning and why we do what we do. Our last one is, if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? My wife. My wife, most likely. I mean, like, we, Don't make we me cry spend... over here. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> as you can imagine, right? Like, I mean, it's, we also have like a very busy life, a crazy life, right? Like, so we work all the time. We take our kids to school, like to, to sports. We do real estate and all of that. And we always see each other, right? Like, and we talk all the time together. But sometimes, like, again, like once a week or once every two weeks, we get a chance to go out and go to a movie and or go to dinner or go like to take ice cream or coffee or whatever. And we really enjoy ourselves, right? Like, I mean, it's great like to have like a partner, like a wife or someone with, with you that understands you, that is in your journey, that has to spend so much time like with you and gone through so many things. But yeah, with me, my wife. Yeah, it's easy to pass as ships in the night and it's important to always have that time together. So I think you're the first person that said their partner basically to that answer. Yeah. So I like it. Partner, I like partnering it. life. Yes, I like it. I like it. Well, Harry, fantastic conversation. If our listeners wanted to reach out and learn more about you or sign up for some of the things that you're doing, where's the best place we can point them to? Yes, again, so we have our company is in real estate syndications. We mainly focus on capital raising, mainly for healthcare professionals and physicians. It's NIMA Equity, which is N as in Nancy, I-M-A Equity. And we also have our YouTube channel because we also believe and are big in education. So they can find us there too. Perfect. Well, we'll link those in the show notes. And Harry, thanks for coming on the show. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.